With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Our guest on the latest lockdown soundtracking is a hugely gifted writer, actor, activist, and rapper. And it turns out, proper lovely bloke too. Riz Ahmed, a.k.a. Riz MC, cut his teeth on independent films such as Shifty and Four Lions, but he's also had major parts in blockbusters like Rogue One, a Star Wars story. He joined me to discuss a whole range of subjects, not least a new short that he's made with Anil Karia called The Long Goodbye. Now, it's available on YouTube and it is absolutely worth the 12 minutes of your time please do check it out indeed I suggest you watch it before listening because we discuss it in great detail shortly but first a word from our friends at Babbel now given that you probably you might have a little bit more time on your hands at the moment now presents the perfect opportunity to learn a new language or brush up on one that you studied at school but it has long since been forgotten Maybe you're homeschooling like me or you're failing at homeschooling like me and you haven't got the foggiest idea when it comes to French, Spanish or indeed German. With its clear and simple interface, Babbel guides you through your learning journey in a funny and smooth way. It's designed to get you speaking your new language within weeks with daily 10 to 15 minute lessons teaching real life conversations through interactive dialogues. Lessons are lovingly created by over a hundred language experts. That is real people, people, and not a translation machine. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages and the teaching method has been proven to be effective across multiple studies. Babbel is available as an app or online and your progress will be synced across all devices. Try Babbel today. Just go to babbel.co.uk or download the app for free. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.co.uk or download the app to try it for free. Babbel, learn a new language and make it your own. And so to Riz. Now, I mentioned his new short, The Long Goodbye, which is a companion piece to his album of the same name. On it, Riz uses the metaphor of a doomed romance for the end of a relationship between an individual and their country. We begin with an extract from the opening track, The Breakup. She was gone now, thought I was finally free. I tried to get back on my feet, my phone flashing, I see she keeps calling. Answer the phone, she keeps bawling. Said she was broken, how she's living is appalling. She needs building up and sorting. She told me that her soldiers have all fallen. Told me to rush like a wind, bringing the warmth in. A sob story and I bought it. Felt good, she asked me to move in. Said together we could build a new thing. The truth is I looked up to her and needed soothing. I thought if she accepted me, my worth would be proven. Yeah, new kids. Born in our house, a new movement. A future of mixed cultures, but I was so fucking stupid. Didn't stop to think how badly it would just confuse them. Like, daddy, why does mum hate me? She looks at me and says, who's this? I came home one day and she changed the locks. My brown and white sepia sapna gone to pop Says she blames me for how lately she's been feeling lost How she ain't what she was and how her kids don't show no love So now she's taking back control and she wants me to fuck off Told the feds I'm dangerous, insane and trying to kill her off Had no time to explain to them the snipers took the shots I'm heartbroken and I'm homeless, forgotten who I was Before I got told I'm only good for blood, sweat and cock Pretend you're trying to throw me out, Britney baby, please stop I thought we had a special thing, I know that we can make it up Britney, if you break up with me, I might just break up This a lie to be the end of me Or be the wake up Britannia breaking up with me. This is the breakup. Um, Riz, thanks for the time, mate. I really appreciate you. Hey, thank you, man. Thanks a lot for hitting me up. I appreciate it. I'm a bit slow on socials. I generally try not to have them at all on my phone ever. Yeah. Um, any of the apps. So I saw your message and I was just a bit delayed getting back to you. Oh, so there. thank you. God, man, this short film's incredible. What is it, about 12 minutes long? And it's, it's just the impact that you have within those 12 minutes 
is extraordinary. It really is. What came first, though, the idea for the film or the album, or was it a coincidal kind of thought process and creative project, really? Yeah, so the album, The Long Goodbye, had already been recorded, and I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to do visually in terms of videos and stuff, and I got put in touch with Anil. Actually, a few people have been saying that we should meet for a while, and um, we sat down and started chatting. I was telling him about the album. We were just talking about what's on our minds right now and where we're both at in our work and it seemed that we were both in a place where we just wanted to make quite honest work quite personal work not really make work to fit to anyone's brief and I kind of said that to him as well I said look I've got this album and I've kind of made it just because I've got stuff to really get off my chest in terms of making videos if you connected with it you can kind of do what you want and we just landed on this idea to be honest the idea for the short was a bit more kind of fantastical and indirect to begin with. And the more we spoke about it, the more we realized actually why are we kind of sugarcoating reality with anything that's kind of whimsical or any kind of conceit? Why don't we just kind of say very clearly, this is the thing that's on my mind and just put it out there in the world. And uh, I think because it was born out of a very collaborative process where we were talking a lot, I think we emboldened each other to maybe make something that we might not have otherwise. Yeah, it is sometimes that thing, isn't it? A collaborative effort really can can almost bring out the best in each other because you're almost scared to go there yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And particularly when you're saying something that maybe you feel and think, but you're not sure if people are ready to hear it, or you're not sure if other people feel that way to the same degree. When you're saying something that's quite personal, and speaking from a place that's kind of maybe buried away deep inside you. I think having those encouraging voices around you as collaborators is everything, really. And, and you know, really, the, the film, as you see it as a finished product, is really all down to Anil's incredible talent as, as a director. Um, you know, we shot that in two days, and they were the two shortest days of the year uh, in the middle of this December. It just it's a testament to to his talent and I think the world will kind of come to see his talent and what he's really capable of. And then when you were thinking about the idea of the short, you know, off the back of, of this, you know, this other fully formed project and knowing how you would navigate the story narratively around both what the film narrative would be, but then how you would incorporate your delivery as well in terms of that final, I don't want to give too much away for people who haven't seen it, you know, because you need that power of it, but, but your delivery towards the sort of, you know, the end of that, of, of the performance in the mm-hmm, film, mm-hmm. was that easy to kind of work out what the film was actually going to be and what you were going to, and how you were going to kind of build that tension, that emotion and, and that sort of power that it has? Yeah. I mean, we kind of had an idea of it being roughly in three sections, but you're never sure exactly how you'll turn those corners Yeah. when you're actually making something and whether it will work in the edit. But we roughly thought, you know, there's a first section which kind of feels just like a film. Yeah. And there's a second section which maybe is more like a music video, even though it carries on that story. And there's a third section which is, again, something else. I mean, I guess that was a plan, but you're never sure exactly if it will work. And again, I think that's down to kind of the rhythm and the pacing and the gut punch that Neil gives you kind of buys you the space to then take it to a slightly heightened place. Yeah. You know, towards the end. Did you did you lift the kind of um the, the kind of little lyrical content of the track to be the kind of you know, the kind of the, the journey so so to speak of, of the film? So all the songs, all the music, all the spoken word in the film is from the album and it's unchanged from the album. But I guess there's a slight difference between the film and the album in that the album is very much kind of a concept album. It uses this metaphor of a breakup, is this idea of, well, it's a breakup album about breaking up with your country, um, going through a breakup with the country that you call home. And so the whole album over its kind of 10 or so tracks tells this story of you know, going through these stages almost of grieving from shock to anger to bargaining, depression, and then finding some self-love and, and moving beyond this toxic relationship. And I use that romantic metaphor because I just wanted to explore the feeling of heartbreak that I think a lot of minorities feel, and actually a lot of people of all backgrounds feel, was getting a lot of kind of feedback from India to Hungary to Russia to the Philippines saying, 
I feel like I don't recognize my country. I yeah. feel like views like mine are unwanted in my country. I feel like I'm being dumped by my country. And because it's wrapped up in that kind of very emotional, uh, romantic metaphor of a breakup, I think it, it is all the more relatable for that reason. Hey, Riz, it's Yara. I'm calling because I know it's tough to be treated like this, but now's the time for you to look inside for your self-worth. I mean, dude, you got to ask yourself, who am I without her? I mean, who was I before she came along? You can't know where you're going till you know where you're from, you know? All right, good luck. Hit me back. Now, the short film doesn't deal in that metaphor. In a way, the short film is portraying what that metaphor and what that breakup really looks like. Yeah. So there's the kind of exploring how it feels emotionally using this metaphor breakup in the album. And then there's actually what does it really look like in the real world when people are dumped by a country, what it looks like certain scenes that we've seen in Europe far too often in the last 60, 70 years and elsewhere in the world. And so it kind of, takes off the protective mask almost of the romantic metaphor and hits you very directly with this is what we're talking about this is what it looks like was there a specific i don't know kind of moment or or, or event or thought that was was the catalyst for you to write the, the the record to write the album yeah i think for me it was around the events of 2016 with donald trump's election and the brexit vote and um how it kind of created a really permissive environment for racism i experienced more of lots of people around me and you know anecdotally um you you heard about how the atmosphere would change but then also in statistics and hate crimes and all that kind of stuff started skyrocketing and i guess it grew for me out of this feeling this thought that i had and this thought that i would hear other people express around me which was should i leave this country i know i've been born here i know i've lived here my whole life but if things are getting this bad now, by the time it gets to my grandchildren's generation, will they curse me for not having gotten out when I have the chance? Is this Berlin 1929 and we just don't know it? And people who are of African, Caribbean, Jewish, Muslim, all these different backgrounds were saying this. And I found that really shocking, but all the more shocking because I could recognize that thought in myself. And I remember growing up, you know, a lot of, I think children of immigrants can relate to their parents telling them, listen, we have to behave, otherwise they could always send us back. And you're born here, this is your country. You're like, don't be silly. No one's sending me back to where they're sending me back to, Wembley. And suddenly these thoughts, these warnings kind of carried a power that they hadn't before. And so I guess I wanted to explore what was behind that sentiment. And really what was behind that sentiment is, yeah, lots of, socio-economic, political issues, political swings, you know, industrial shifts. But really, I wanted to get into it just on an emotional level. What's behind that thought of maybe I don't belong here is a feeling of being dumped, is a feeling of being in a toxic relationship. And so when I kind of had that thought, I kind of started to write it and I didn't actually know if there'd be a whole album in it. I wasn't even thinking in those terms, but it just kept coming and the more and more I was writing, the more I realized that it kind of fits really well. This idea of kind of being a one-sided, toxic or abusive relationship, which I think sometimes how, you know, immigrants, children of immigrants can feel. They ever ask you where you're from? Like, where are you really from? The question seems simple, but the answer's kind of long. I could tell them Wembley, but I don't think that's what they want. But I don't want to tell them more because anything I say is wrong. Britain's where I'm born and I love a cup of tea and that. But tea ain't from Britain. It's from where my DNA is at and where my genes are from. That's where they make my genes and that. Then send them over to NYC. That's where they stack the peas and that. Skinheads meant I never really liked the British flag. And I only got the shits when I went back to pack. And my ancestors Indian, but India was not for us. My people built the West. We even gave the skinheads swastikas. Now everybody everywhere want their country back. If you want me back to where I'm from, then bruv, I need a map. Or if everyone just gets their shit back, then that's blessed for us. You only built a piece of this place, bruv, the rest was us. Maybe I'm from everywhere, but nowhere. No man's land, between the trenches. 
Nothing grows there, but it's fertilized by the brown bodies fought for you in the wars. So when I spit, a poppy grows there. And it's been kind of heartbreaking to see, you know, what's happening right now to our world with COVID. And I think that we could kind of, we're at a crossroads, you know, I think we can go one of two ways. We can hurtle towards a world of closed borders and governments that kind of villainize each other and call it the China virus, or China says it's, you know, because Americans brought it over and give these governments sweeping powers because we live in fear of each other and we live in isolation from each other. Or we can go to a world where we finally realize our fundamental shared humanity and vulnerability and fragility and realize that the biggest challenges we face need us to work together, need yeah. us to collaborate, and recognize our shared future. And so I, I think that this is a real moment actually where I, I think that the themes of the album and the questions of the album, which is, are we really all in this together? Is this a proper relationship that we're going to have? Is is actually kind of more timely now than ever. I kind of think of it as the other global pandemic we've, we are facing is rising intolerance, Absolutely. rising hate. And in times of fear, that can really, really skyrocket. So, yeah, I mean, it's actually the comedian Harry Kondabolu tweeted something the other day, which I thought was interesting. He said, take a look at the Uber driver. Take a look at the person who's keeping the supermarket shelves stocked. Take a look at the nurse and the doctor taking care of you and your loved ones. Now tell me again how you feel about immigration. Yeah. And I, I do think that this is a moment for us to reflect and reassess uh, the direction we've been heading in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harkat me barkat. Yeah, 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 yeah. 786. Rizzy boy. Rodinho. Uh, pick a side, do or die. Cause all we ever do is die. They eat a bummer, so we suicide with a dunamy. No, you wanna try. Woke up to a war. Why you wanna beef with your own like? I'll keep my beef with the pork. Why you bring a tweet to a gunfight? You're the one to kill us all. But they can't kill us all. They call me cockroach, but I'm cocky, not broke. And my cocky just grow when they kick us in the balls. Yeah. This is for the mosque and the mosh pit. We ain't got shit, but we got this. London Starny boss shit. Suck my London, give me all the dust, bitch. They wanna kill us all. They wanna kill us all. They wanna kill us all. Having two kids as well, you know, going through this. One of them's seven and one's eleven, two boys. And finding positive ways to talk about things and so that it's not something that they think, you know, that, so that we they're not getting kind of down about this whole situation that we find ourselves in. And so trying to find positives and things to talk about is actually been quite incredible, you know, in terms of what we're able to talk about. And particularly, you know, last week we, when they had that kind of clap and celebration for the NHS and all those incredible health workers mm. around the country. And oh, it was amazing. It wasn't extraordinary. It was so emotional. But mm. it's like, when do those individuals ever get that? praise and gratitude that they so deserve on a regular basis and that I think applies to so many individuals who are so important mm. in our world. It takes it takes something it's crazy that it should take something like this to recognize our common humanity. People would often say listen if we had an alien invasion maybe that would be the thing that brought us together. Well in a way that's what this is isn't it? Yeah. But just on a kind of microbial level, you know, this is the alien invasion. Now this is that crossroads moment. This is something unprecedented. Yes, we've had plagues in the 1600s, in the 1300s. We've had, you know, the Spanish flu. We had influenza a hundred years ago. But what is unprecedented about this is how quickly it spread because the world is so connected. How global the response needs to be because of that. How we, whether we like it or not, we are all in it together. And so, um, yeah, it's it's crazy that it's taken this alien invasion. But now that it's taken place. I'm I'm just kind of thinking already about what is the world going to look like on the other side of this, Absolutely. you know, because there will be people that will try and use this to their advantage and there will be, um, and it's up to us as the, you know, citizens of the world to kind of stand up and and use this opportunity to build a fairer world. In the same way that I guess with World War II, you know, the reason we have the NHS is because of World War II. The reason we have kind of council housing everywhere is because of world war ii because you realize bombs don't discriminate when they're falling from the sky yeah. it's the same thing goes with corona Absolutely. so i'm really hoping we can build more safety nets for that will hold us all together 
Um, I'll tell you what's been amazing as well for me is that I've kind of the time that it's allowing me as in terms of a headspace of giving things. So I, I feel like I'm not rushing to do things so much. It's, and so music is something that has been an absolute saviour, both in terms of almost like things have a different meaning now to me or they have more of a meaning at times mm-hmm. with things, which has been a wonderful thing, you know, in terms of <laughs> someone posted um, Talking Heads track lyric last week and I was just like, "Geez, I'd never looked on it that way before and now. And so I went and listened to the track and it was just like, oh, wow, yeah, no, it's, that's completely different. It's, and I think that's a really healthy thing as well in terms of, of how art and all those kind of side of things can really kind of connect and help people, I think, as well through mm. this in different ways. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I had a similar experience watching Frozen 2 <laughs> the other day. Oh, man, were you into the unknown, were you? Oh, my God, that song. Listen, How many times? I'll, Jesus. I'll, yeah, listen, I was watching <laughs> Frozen 2, and, and yeah, and it was the whole deal of, like, all you got to do is just do the next right thing. Yeah, it's all big and scary and unknown. And it's like, I was just watching Frozen 2, like, they're fortune tellers. They, they knew this Pixar would come. Pixar Disney mine well, every it, time. This crazy dude. <laughs> and also the idea of like, well, listen, nature is out of balance because of what humans have done to nature. And now there's a scourge coming to kind of make us all rebalance the way we live. don't there's a thousand reasons i should go about my day and ignore your whispers which i wish would go away oh oh you're not a voice you're just a ringing in my ear and if i heard you which i don't and spoken for i fear Everyone I've ever loved is here within these walls I'm sorry, secret siren, but I'm blocking out your calls I've had my adventure, I don't need something new I am afraid of what I'm risking if I follow you into the unknown It's true. I mean, I I guess I, I so I experience that as someone who's watching films and and listening to music right now, like so many of us. But as a creator of music and films, I'm really actually questioning what we can contribute, if anything. Weirdly, even though when I'm on the receiving end of art, I'm kind of feeling its healing power. As someone who makes and 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 creates stuff. I sometimes just feel a bit overwhelmed because it's like, where do you start? How does art meet a crisis? It took me four years of just having that feeling of what's going on with Brexit and Trump and then thinking, huh, it's kind of like a breakup. And then a year later, scribbling something down and then yeah. stepping away from it. And then it all came out in like a month and I wrote it and recorded it and did it. I mean, it takes a while to for these seeds to grow. So I don't know, I'm kind of torn personally between really responding in real time to what yeah. this feels like as we, the whole world is going through the same experience. And on the other hand, I'm like, this is step back, hibernate, process, mm-hmm. see what comes up. But I don't know, currently I'm doing something in between the two. I'm kind of doing these live streaming conversations. Yeah. And that's just been a nice way to kind of maintain some connectivity and community and, 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 and keep myself sane as well. That's been pretty cool. I mean... I didn't ever think I'd do things like that, but I find myself doing things. And it's strange, isn't it? When, when circumstances change, you find yourself doing things you might not have ever planned to do yeah. or saw yourself doing. I've, I find that kind of, you know, just, you know, I hadn't spoken to anybody outside really. Well, you know, my part from my family. And then I did a, a, a chat to Warren Ellis last week. I just spoke to him last week as well. Oh, my God. So I had an hour. Random. Chat with him. And, you know, he was in isolation mm. in Paris. And, 
and it was I came away from it. It was really weird. I came away feeling absolutely euphoric, and then about an hour later, I was I was in an absolute funk because I was kind of like, man, that was amazing. It was so great to just chat to someone with no agenda, just to have a, a really nice kind of conversation about everything and anything, but loosely around you know the whole soundtrack and thing. But I guess because. I'm not able to kind of do it as much as I would be if I wasn't being kind of confined to the space. And it's like, well, no, you can just reach out to people. They'll, they'll, you know, I'm sure everybody's in a sort of similar boat where they want to have a conversation. Yeah. They want to talk, you know, and that's... No one's doing anything right think, now. Yeah, no one's got plans. <laughs> that's it. But it's that thing when people want to talk, it's all right. You can ask people to talk. Don't feel bad about it. It's fine. Just do it. It suddenly does feel mad to me that we weren't all just kind of Skyping each other for dinner. Yeah. Like why? Why did? Why weren't we doing that before? I think the digital dinner party is going to be here to stay. But like, why do we have these offices? Like, a lot of this stuff will fall away. Yeah. Totally. So it, it is going to change the way we connect. So that's cool, but it's also, I feel like the last thing humans needed right now was a big push towards only connecting digitally. <laughs> yeah. That was like the opposite of the shove we needed. You know what I mean? Yeah. We needed to be like, nah, nah, nah. You just all we all need to be in the same room together. And, and yeah. Um, but everybody's mm. putting up these brilliant lists of kind of, you know, here's the top 10 films of this to watch or here's the top 10 albums mm. to watch. Um, I was watching you and Kayvan and Nigel the other night on your um, Four Lions chat on YouTube. That was where you were, you were kind of live commentary whilst the film was playing. It was brilliant. It was so great. Oh, it was so much fun. And if anybody's kind of thinking of doing that thing, there's lots of people doing that thing where they're picking a director and going through the director's kind of catalogue of films. Do it with actors. Yeah. Take you as an example, you know, in terms of looking at all the films that you've been involved in, whether it be, you know, back with Michael Winterbottom and The Road to Guantanamo and, you mm. know, right through to Gareth's Star Wars film Rogue One. I, I flipping love that film. Do you know what I mean? But things like, Nightcrawler, man. Jeez, what a film. So it was weird when, uh, I, was, when I knew I was coming to chat to her, I just like wrote a list of them all and it was like, that's a bloody good list of films. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if I just recommended people yeah. top, thing, top 10 yeah, things yeah, to watch yeah, in quarantine. Yeah, yeah. Just watch everything I've done. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I can absolutely <laughs> do that for you. Yeah, Nightcrawler. So that's on my list to watch this week for sure. So wait, are people kind of going through all the work of certain directors? Will yeah. you send me some of that? Like, yeah, totally. I'm, it seems like there's such an explosion of stuff happening online. It's easy to miss it. It's so hard because everybody's obviously, you know, there's a lot of people who don't have a kind of, their regular jobs are not there for the minute. And so you're thinking of ways, particularly in the world of like film critics and all that kind of stuff, because, you know, there's no new films at the cinema for them to go and critique. So they're all mm. curating lists of things to go and watch. But one of the things is to, you know, if you're not familiar with a director's work, then you go, oh, here's the list of films from his back catalogue that you should go and check out. Who would you who would you recommend director wise? God, director wise, I don't know, maybe Jack Odiard actually, because I mean, I love the Prophet, I love Rustin Bone, I love working with him on Sisters Brothers, I love Beat Them My Heart Skip. He's just such a masterful director. Maybe Scorsese as well, to be honest. You know, that could be amazing. I mean, I think Goodfellas is probably my favourite film. So maybe there's there's that. Did you watch with Steve Zale? Yeah, what about you? you? What director yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve as well. That could be good. Yeah, he, wow, um, a, a night of watching marathon, maybe. Yeah. Oh man, that was a great TV show, man. Oh, that's another. <laughs> I was thing lucky well. to be part of it. Oh, it was extraordinary. Can I ask you? Yeah, what director would you choose? Or I mean, or would it be a musician like listen to all their output or something? Well, musician-wise, do you know what I do? It's really weird. A friend of mine, Richard Russell, who's got a book. He runs XL Records. Just put. He's got a book coming out, and we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago. And he's just put up this playlist, which is like 400 odd tracks on Spotify. And I was kind of skipping through what? it. Yeah, you could I want to get on that. Go, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's Richard's yeah. an absolute yeah, G. He's a legend. Wow. Um, and James Brown was on there. And I was like, oh, man, yeah, I'd love to just kind of almost take a bit of a kind of chronological journey through James Brown stuff, like from hmm. way, 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 way back. You got it? Is it called Liberation Through Hearing? There you go. And he released a new track yesterday. Every, everything is recorded? Yeah. Just Hang on a minute. Has he just put up all the Excel catalogue here? <laughs> There's a lot of Excel this on there. Don't think he had James Brown on Excel. Oh, so, yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, Adele's up there and it's like, that's a, yeah, come on. But yeah, how much, here's a, how much when you are... I'm saving this now. I love it. 
400 tracks, that's a good couple of days there. That's fine. That's going to keep you occupied. Everybody over there. Get on up. Everybody right there. Get into it. Everybody right there. Get involved. Everybody just... films how much does the music resonate with you and then a film both in terms of score and kind of you know it's huge isn't it i mean i remember watching if beale street can talk and just oh. i just found myself in tears in the first five minutes i was like hang on a minute what's going on here and it's because of the incredible score actually thinking of a monos that i just saw the alejandro landis film um with mika lili's score oh, she yeah. i felt she really elevated particularly the first third of that when we were kind of setting the story up I mean, she's an incredible, she's amazing. incredible, yeah. incredible composer, isn't she? Yeah, I got to, I got to speak to her um, for that film actually, and um, I was really nervous about meeting her because she doesn't really chat much. She's not, you know, she's quite private and quiet and sort of awkward. Yeah. And she was just wonderful. Oh, really? Um, and but she's one of those people who, when you kind of ask her to kind of almost pull her stuff apart a bit, she's kind of like, well, I don't know, I just kind of do it. You know, it's like, oh, 
You're just, yeah. just really brilliant at what you do. You don't really need to put much effort into it. Talking about if Bill Street could talk, when we what was really interesting when we spoke to both Barry and, and Nicholas about that score was that um, how much Nicholas writes to performance in terms of you know if if different actors had been cast in that film, then the music would have been totally different. That's a brilliant thing to oh, think wow. about, isn't it? That is wow. Yeah, I wonder what he'd be playing if I was on the screen. Yeah. 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 When you're working on Star Wars, knowing how big a Star Wars fan he is, um, and I was like, did you get access to kind of like, you know, all the files of Star Wars soundtracks and stuff when you're working on it? He went, yeah, it's amazing. And he's like, starts doing, you know, the noise like in the original film where they kind of, they deactivate the, the force field on the Death Star, that boom. Yeah, and he yeah, like yeah. nailed it spot on as the sound that it was and stuff. But I mean, if, if I was like an actor or had a, a, a walk on part or whatever on a Star Wars film, in my head, all I'm doing the entire time is like, Da-da! you know, the theme tune's got to be going yeah, in yeah. your head. <laughs> the, exactly. The whole time. It's like, I'm in Star Wars. Oh, man, I've never really confessed this before, but. Yeah, I mean, don't like Star Wars. <laughs> well, I just I just wasn't that familiar with it. Really? Yeah, I mean, I just hadn't really, I'd, I'd kind of seen bits of like Empire Strikes Back as a kid. I'm sure I'd been around it. My brother had the VHS cassettes and we'd seen it, you know, it, it was something there, a jab of the heart, remember seeing fights and there. stuff. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But I had not seen them as an adult. I couldn't really tell you the full story of it. I'd seen, I think, Phantom Menace. And so I was kind of going into Star Wars Rogue One just lying because I was just surrounded <laughs> by people that Losing were like, oh, my God, yeah, like this is that, this is like that thing and this is like that scene. And and, and particularly, I've got to be honest, doing press for Rogue One was a bit tricky because people <laughs> were like, so what is your favourite ever Star Wars scene? And I'd just be like, you know, just the whole vibe, the whole vibes just... <laughs> How can you pick? How can you pick one scene? You can't. You can't. That's what's great about it. So I was just kind of a bit of a yeah, That's complete fraud. I'm sure I'll get probably yeah trolled That's for that. Genius. But um, but I think it helped me in a way because yeah. I was like I wasn't more, any more scared than I already was walking onto those huge film sets. Yeah. Just going, well, this is not what I'm used to. I'm used to stuff like Shifty and Four Lions and like Nightcrawler where you don't have a trailer and you're like, you know, you make it in three weeks and hope for the best. So it was kind of a, it was actually my first studio film and it, and it was a different way of working that I wasn't used to actually. And there was an adjustment taking place there. So I think if I had that plus the whole kind of legend of it knocking around in my head i would have probably had a bit of a freak out what were your films then if it wasn't you know because star wars was that thing for so many kids growing up that you know they had mm. the toys they had all that kind of yeah. thing did you have an equivalent space balls <laughs> <laughs> okay now now no, listen i'm being silly but on a serious <laughs> level yeah for some reason everyone else got the star wars 
in my house, I think it's because of my uncle or something, we watched Spaceballs about a hundred times, okay? <laughs> and then also Naked Gun. Oh. One, two, 33 and a third. We just rinsed out those silly, silly man. comedies, man. Yeah. Like proper spoof well. business. Oh my God, just going in. So there was that. Um, also, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. We just kept watching them and rewatching them. Totally, you know, psychologically damaged ourselves as six and seven year olds watching that. Hey, Nancy. No running in the hallway. <laughs> And I guess the other thing, what else was there? There was uh, blah, 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 blah. Terminator. Oh, nice. Terminator, Terminator 2, yeah. long time for about 15 years i would tell everyone my favorite film of all time was terminator 2 don't get me wrong it's, it's still in the top three yeah is it what's number one and two it's probably what's, what else is in the top three i think goodfellas is in there and i think thin red line is in there oh amazing yeah i think goodfellas because as a kid it was just like wow this world and also this immigrant experience and this stuff that's kind of not my experience but also stuff i could really recognize felt so specific and cool yeah and you can watch it anytime i feel like that's a film you can watch anytime thin red line you've got to be in a mood for i think but if you're in the mood for it there was actually once when i was quite sick i had a really dark bronchitis that almost became a pneumonia back when i was 18 and i remember i was like so so sick sicker than i've ever been in my life and i couldn't leave the house actually weirdly and i watched thin red line in that state of like am i gonna be okay is this is the world gonna be okay and it's just this incredible film where you, the whole thing is about finding beauty in catastrophe. Yeah. Finding beauty in the fact that we survive dark things like war um, and, and illness. Yeah. And then number three is Terminator 2. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hans Zimmer, on that, that Hans Zimmer score for Thin Red Lines just kind of, I mean, that's, and we, weirdly, all those films you've talked about as well, because like Scorsese, you know, the way that he uses not just the Rolling Stones music in pretty much every film that he, mm -hmm. but the way that he uses existing music is so clever and brilliant and so, so Scorsese. But that, um, but James Cameron and, and I think it's Brad Fiedel, that the composer for Terminator 2, that's also one of those films that I always, always remember as being like one of the first films that had like, you know, the kind of colon followed by the sort of second like judge, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Yeah. <laughs> Subheadings. Yeah, exactly. Subheadings for films. <laughs> yeah. James yeah. Cameron started this time, it's personal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Cameron. Yeah, it's true. But that juxtaposition musically is is definitely something that's all, that's all been an influence on me. And I mean, actually, even in the short film, actually, if, yeah. if you go back and watch the longer by short film, that second act yeah. is very much in that 
vein, right? Where you have that kind of energetic, upbeat music juxtaposed against, you know, what's going on. Yeah, I kind of feel like I actually haven't seen the Irishman. I need to get into it. Maybe now is a good time. Yeah, totally. Yes, yeah, if you love Scorsese, it's kind of everything that Scorsese does. Brilliant. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. I won't keep you much longer. But how much do you? How easy do you find it? Kind of in between the different hats that you wear, you know, in terms of, you know, not just being an actor, but writing and performing as a, as a musician as well and that side mm. of things. And is it important for you to keep those kind of plates spinning and they, what do they give you? I think I just always have kind of been switching between different modes, you know, in my day-to-day life. I made a short film called Daytimer and it's kind of about that. It's about how kind of going from home to school to hanging out with friends involved costume changes for me and involved a change in outlook, a change in the way I spoke from Urdu to like going to, a, um, you know, schools quite far away from where I grew up. It was a different kind of environment, it was much more, you know, kind of middle class to so then hanging out with my mates. And it, it was really kind of playing different characters almost throughout the course of the day. And so I've always had these different sides to me. And I think on some level, if I didn't have these different kind of identities, I wouldn't feel like myself. I think what's changing now for me is I want to bring them all together. It's great being able to kind of shapeshift and stuff. And, you know, that speaks to the fact that many people in our society have complex identities and we can kind of switch between them. And if you allow people to switch between them, that can enrich our culture, right? Yeah. But actually, I think the way to really enrich our culture, the way to really stretch culture, the way to really stretch our minds and stretch the flag and stretch our, stretch our idea of us so big that there's no more us versus them, there's just us, is actually to, to bring all the different identities together. And that's kind of what's dawned on me in the last few years is, is trying to create from a more personal place that, that's as messy and it might feel a bit messy or more complex. So, I mean, I guess an example of that is with the album and the short film. It kind of brings together everything I do. Yeah, it's great. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's what I think... It's got what... acting, it's got spoken word, it's got rap, it's, yeah. and it's about my real day-to-day family experience, but also maybe the politics or whatever. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm trying now to actually switch, not switch between hands so much, just put it all in one box. And, and that doesn't mean that I won't just go and act in a film that doesn't have my music in it absolutely will but even when I do that I think I'm now creating from a more personal place I think before even when I was look at stuff like The Night Of or Venom even you know even just up to a few years ago I think I'd always play characters from a point of view of like how do I become this other person yeah how do I do the research to go to a place that isn't me and now I think I'm working more from a place of like rather than how do I make this mask and step into it, is how do I just take my mask off, you know, and how do I just be finding this character in me? And it it might sound really obvious for a lot of people, and I'm sure there's a lot of actors who always work like that, but I think if you grow up being told that your experience isn't maybe a valid one or an interesting one or one that is reflected in the culture, you always look outside of yourself, you know, to, 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 to find inspiration. Or you can always kind of step out of your own story in search of a story. And I think now I'm kind of just going, well, actually, the story of people like me is is valid. And I think now more than ever is a time for people with these Mongol identities to, to, to speak up and tap into their experience and share it. So I think that's kind of where I'm at now. That's exciting. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> do you use um? Do you ever create playlists for characters when you're kind of getting ready to? Oh, yeah. Do you? Yeah. 
Yeah, I used to do it a lot. Yeah, actually, I still do it. I mean, it depends on the character. Yeah. But I do, yeah. I mean, so I did this film called Sound of Metal, which um, well, was scheduled to be out, I think, late this summer. But let's see what happens in the world, the new world we're in. And in that, I played a kind of drummer in a kind of punk noise band. How's your drumming? Oh, it's terrible. But I mean, this <laughs> it got it got good enough to play a couple of like You're you an know, actor. tricky bits. Yeah, yeah. But I, I basically I learned to I learned to play the drums for it for over seven months, and I was kind of practicing every day with this amazing drumming teacher called Guy Lakata. You know, I was doing like double pedaling and the whole deal, and it was like it was intense, super tricky, but the love going through the experience but it just occurred to me that the punk noise world is not one that i'm too fluent in yeah so diving into that world finding those those bands was is actually something that that was a real pleasure i'm actually going to go into my playlist now and i'm going to see if i've got some oh yeah tell us what you heard of that here we go oh do you know kill alters yeah loved him I guess about like with the music you don't know for mm. a role that you kind of you learn about big new, time yeah it's brilliant yeah kill alters ruins as well I mean I'm so ignorant to kind of punk music in general just educating myself on hardcore black flag which I really really was into but I'm sure again for, for a lot of people but I think kill alters were like a hidden gem for me that I just loved and then you know getting into the really technical crazy kind of you know lightning bolt and just geeking out over their drama and how terrifying the incredibly is. Watch that yeah. um, documentary about Ginger Baker. Oh, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's absolute so mania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. So good. So well, it's like good. I remember watching Whiplash at uh, Jamie Chazelle's film, and jazz not really being something that I like had an appreciation for. And I loved yeah. that film, and also the also Birdman as well with the jazz and that. And it's like, man, I can I can do jazz. I think I I think I can. I can vibe with jazz. I yeah. think I can. I I think I can do this. <laughs> and it was it was a really lovely door into it. I think it can be, right? It can it can o- open up those yeah. um I, not just from an acting point of view, but yeah, you're right, from a kind of viewing point of view. I mean, that could be kind of interesting actually if if you know, people are kind of really breaking down soundtracks actually. I'd be really into that. Um there's probably someone doing it right now. Um 
but yeah, taking us through the, the the different kind of musical influences in something like Goodfellas. I mean, I you know it plays such a big role in Tarantino and Danny Boyle's films, for example. It's like another character. Yeah, well, that's kind of you know when we've done like I think we're on. I think you'll be like episode 190 for our podcast. Now. Yes. And, uh, and, and, you know, and what's wonderful is every time we do an episode, whether it be with a composer or a director or whatever and stuff, there's a different story. And I mean, we, we were lucky enough to have Thelma Schoonmaker on here, Scorsese's editor. Wow. And just hearing her wow. talk about how Marty works with music and, uh, and then relationship between her, the music as an editor and him was kind of, it's fascinating. It's a really interesting journey because, you know, you turn the sound off on a film, you do, it doesn't have the same emotional impact as it does. But on equal measures, it's, you know, silence and when not to use music is equally as important and when to use music in a film, I think, as well, because they're both as important as each other. When are we, when, so you, we, that, you've done this film where you play the drummer. Yeah, yeah, sound of metal, okay. and and it's and sound design is actually a huge part of it because it's about a character who goes deaf. He's a drummer who goes deaf, who loses his hearing, and so the kind of sound design of the film replicates his subjective experience as best as you know technology would allow us to yeah. of losing your hearing. And so our sound recorders would come up to me after scenes, and usually when you film a scene, when the when the scene's wrapped. Then they say, okay, let's just do a wild track and everyone's quiet and you say the lines again and you re-record the lines. On this film, it wasn't like that. What would happen is we'd stop, he'd come up to me with a crazy hexagonal, crazy like microphone cube tesseract thing and he'd put it against my chest and I'd say, okay, swallow and now lick your lips and now blink, move your tongue around. Okay, great, we've got it. And so that is the kind of soundscape of this film is very, very immersive. Amazing. Riz, thank you so much for sparing the time to chat to me. I really, really appreciate it, mate. Absolute pleasure. Um, Absolute pleasure. An amazing chat. And yeah, congrats on episode 190. When you get to 200, we'll throw you an online party. (laughs) I'll hold you to that. Can Kayvon come, please? Because he's always fun. Good bands, yeah. Um, Yeah, good bands. So unpredictable. I always get quite scared about interviewing Kayvon because he's like, when he turns on, he can just be absolutely like, mental and out there and stuff and it, but I, which I kind of really love but is as an interviewer you're kind of like fuck <laughs> <laughs> you just you just gotta let him go off on one he'll come back you can't chase it's like a kid you can't chase him yeah he's just gonna come back absolutely um listen thank you take care much love thank you so thank much for you. your time you take, take care. care thanks love see bye. you later bye, bye. Round no so fish, I so kicks, bruv. Look at me now. Oh, he the business. Murder the game, leave no witness. The hurt and the pain weave to riches. I prefer no fame, but it leaves the pricks vex. They call me dirty pack and dirty hack. I couldn't skirt about back on the skirt and that rejection kinda hurtin' that. Scared of the flag, now we stretching that. Self-love we flexin' that. Unless it girls about then she's sexin' that. Icons will text him and slides on like Instagram. First of my kind, I got him thinking that it's just a tan. Red carpet with the fam, big hearted with the fans. Aboriginal not that telling me boy I'm gonna From his album The Long Goodbye, that's Karma by Riz Ahmed, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with the actor, writer and musician. My huge thanks to Riz for taking the time to talk to us on lockdown. What an absolutely awesome bloke he is. And if you didn't follow my instructions at the start of the show, please Google The Long Goodbye and watch it now. It is incredible. Such an emotional and powerful short film. And then go and listen to the album. After you've done all that, head to edithbowman.com to catch up with all of our previous episodes, including my chats with Nicholas Brutel, Thelma Schoonmaker, Danny Boyle, Gareth Edwards, many more. Please do subscribe whilst you're there, though your preferred podcast provider will work just as well. 
Also, just to let you know that for every show, we have a dedicated Spotify playlist. So all those little pieces of music that you hear in very short form, we make a playlist on Spotify for every show with every track in its entirety in the order that it's played on the podcast for you to enjoy. So head to our Spotify page and get subscribing and start listening to the wonderful collection of playlists that you have for each show. There's about 190 up there. That's my instructions for the week. And next up, uh, director Nick Rowland and musician Benjamin Power, aka Blank Mass, join me to discuss Nick's debut feature, the fantastic Calm with Horses. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. In the meantime, be safe. Uh-huh.